Jordan preached last week on um, prayer, and as I say often, that's the best sermon I ever heard. <laughs> I'm afraid it's starting to lose its power, but it was. It was one of the most, what'd y'all think? One of the most powerful sermons you've ever heard? Yes. And you know something? He can preach that way because he prays that way. I often say that a teacher cannot take us further a teacher or a preacher can't take us further than where they're living. And that is good news for us because Jordan is living up in the heavenly places with God. And I know that I work with him. I know what kind of man he is. I know what kind of time he spends in prayer and what kind of time he spends in his office studying the word of God. And his preaching beckons us all to come up and join him. And that's one of the reasons why this church is like it is. Because he's got a man of God that he can trust with his word. Who pays the price to spend that time and get up here and pour out that anointing on us. I hope none of you take it lightly that we have the privilege of sitting under him every single week. I do not take lightly that I get to work with you each week and do ministry with you. I love you so much. Um, and I, I'm just grateful to be a part of a move of God under a great man of God. Just so grateful. And I would hate to even stand in this spot if I didn't believe God had equipped me and called me to do it. God has recently rocked my world. I mean rocked my world with something that we don't hear preached about very much. Most Christians don't do very much, if ever. And if anybody had ever told me that I was going to be the messenger of this, I would have said, no, I'm not. I'm going to be down at the cookout eating me a cheeseburger and some fries while Jordan preaches on fasting with my milkshake afterwards. <laughs> you know that chocolate, uh, wait, Oreo mint? Anybody ever had the Oreo? Praise him. It's delicious. <laughs> And I am not good at fasting. This is something very new to me. And I believe God waited to even show me this and waited to even get me to the place where I was willing to hear it through something I'm going to share later. And I believe it is to encourage all of us because God moves in us for his own purposes and his own glory. I didn't get this a long time ago. And I believe it is to encourage all of you that may have never heard about it or have gotten it to look at me and say, if that woman can do it, with her love of gravy and mashed potatoes, then I can do this. <laughs> I know Jordan fasts when God calls him to, and probably the reason God chose me is chose me instead of him to teach this particular thing is because he's much better at it than I ha than I am, and I've not used it near enough, and um, and I'm I've just started to scratch the surface of what it really means, and I've incorporated it into my life, and I can legitimately say. I'm excited about it because of the things that I'm going to tell you that God's shown me. Through fasting, God has given us a very effective way to unhook from this world and unhook from earth and hook into all the power of heaven. We're going to be looking at Isaiah 58, and I'm going to paraphrase a lot of it for time's sake so I can get to the end. But we're going to look at Isaiah 58, and we're going to see what God's people called a fast, what God thought about the way they fasted, what kind of fast that God wants us to do, and then, oh, you got to buckle up your seatbelt, the great things that God will do in response to a simple thing like not eating for a day. It is unbelievable. What God calls us to do by faith, he will do so much more than the little thing that he asks us to do. So here we go. Listen, it's Isaiah 58, starting in 1. 
Shout it out loud and don't hold back. He tells Isaiah to tell his people that. He says, your fast is rebellion and your fast is a sin. He says, and this is God's holy sarcasm. Did y'all know God has sarcasm? God is a person. However, we understand that he has emotions. He has feelings. He sees what we're doing and we think we're fooling God. And he looks down and like, oh, really? And this is what he says. For day after day, they seek me. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what's right and have not forsaken my commands. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager. Um, seem being the key word. They seem eager for God to come near. They say, why have we fasted and you've not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you don't take any notice? God says, yet on the day of your fasting, you do what you please. It's all about you. And you exploit your workers, meaning you oppress them. You, you take people and use them for your own advantage. You use people to build you up. He said, and, um, and has everybody heard that commercial, you're not yourself when you're hungry? You need a Snickers. Anybody heard that? Am I the only one who watches TV still? <laughs> Y'all all Netflixing or something? <laughs> you're not yourself when you're hungry? I beg to differ. You more yourself than you ever been in your life when you're hungry. <laughs> at my house, we call it hangry. <laughs> I start throwing pork chops at, at my kids when they walk in the house because they're already mad. <laughs> when you and I can't medicate ourselves with food, our soul sickness will start to rise up in us. What's exposed in me when I go without food? What are my idols? How do I comfort myself when I have no food? James 4.1 speaks to what we're like. He says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Oh, I, I, I skipped one up here. Listen to how their fasting ended. He says, you do this to your workers. And he, they were fasting. And it would end in quarreling and strife. They're hungry. So the real them is coming out. So they're mad and they're fighting. And striking each other with wicked fists. They're getting in fist fights while they're fasting to God. <laughs> and he says, you can't fast like this and expect me to hear you. It ought to be common sense. But God has to reason with them. Say, what do you think you're doing? You're down there fasting, walking around with ashes on your head, acting like I'm going to listen. You're hitting each other with your fists. So James says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this? Your passions are at war within you. See, I have the Holy Spirit in me, and then I have me in me. And you know what those two things are at? War. It is a war inside of me. And can I tell you something about you, whether you know it or not? There is a war going on inside of every single person in this place. He says, my passions cause any war in me. It is my fault. It is a passion that I have. He says, is it not this, that your passions are at war? You desire and you don't have, so you murder and we may not gut somebody with a knife or shoot them with a gun, but guess what we will murder people with? That thing right there. Have anybody in here besides me ever murdered somebody with their tongue? You don't have to. You can raise your hand. Thank you for your honesty, Jesse. <laughs> Do you know how much I loved you? <laughs> you, <laughs> you covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. You don't have because you don't ask, meaning you're just not even praying. Or when you're praying, you have one goal, to get what you want and spend it on your own passions. 
We go to God thinking we can go to God and put his arm up behind his back by fasting and go, now God, you got to, I'm doing what you said. You got to do what I say. We have never got God with his arm up behind his back, if that were possible. We never put God in a position where he has to do something with us. He knows our motives. So we think God's going to feed our passions wrong. Guess what God wants to do? He wants to change our passions. If I go without food and I have nothing but selfish motives, then all I'm doing is starving myself. I have to unhook from this world and all the sensual pleasures that I love. I love to sit down with country-style steak and gravy and mashed potatoes and green beans and cornbread and apple cobbler. Shall I go on? Do y'all get the, do y'all get the you know? Because I can be full, and only when I'm really full am I ready for dessert. Because <laughs> when I'm still hungry, I don't want my dessert. I want to be almost sick, and then the dessert puts me over that edge, and then I'm going to lay down. <laughs> I ain't going to lie down. I'm going to lay down and nap. Mm. So that's why I'm so good at fasting. This is to make y'all feel better, and I'm not kidding. Jesse, I'm not kidding, Emma. No, this is the truth. Okay, and he says you're not going to get it when you want your own passions. God created a way for us to turn away from all that's so natural to us and hook into his supernatural power, the easy thing, going without food to get the great thing, a miracle from God. He wants us to do that so we can start to know his heart and be transformed into his image and see him fight for us, fight for your families. Do any of you have children that are off somewhere and you don't even know what they're doing and you're scared to death about what's going on with them? Guess what? God made a way for you to fight for them without a single word. You get before God and you stop eating and God says, I'll go after your family for you. He wants to do this. Can I even dare say he longs to do this? God wants to show himself on this earth. God is not up there going, I just want to give you a little bit and you not get too excited about things. He longs to make himself famous through you and through me. He says, is this the kind of fast I've chosen, a day for people to humble themselves, bowing their heads? This is still God in his sarcasm. They were fasting for show, to show their fellow Jews how spiritual they were. They went around bent over with mourning clothes on and ashes on their head, their hair all messed up, so people would know they were miserable, but spiritual. You know, I'm just suffering for Jesus, and I want to tell you exactly how. I hadn't eaten in three days. I'm mourning, and could you just tell me how great you think I am? I mean, that's what they did. So it was their own glory that they were fasting for and their own way that they were fasting for. Matthew 6, 1, this is Jesus talking. Listen to, can you believe he has to tell us this? But he does because there, nobody in here is any different. We're all cut from the same sad cloth. But God wants to put something great inside of us. And he puts his salvation in us when we're saved. But we have to work that salvation out of us by doing what he says in the word. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your father who is unseen anything i do so that you all will think i'm great guess where my reward is going to be right here when i get to heaven god won't even know i did it i will get no credit for it whatsoever he knows how we are addicted to human praise and he is trying to deliver us from that horrible 
awful addiction of trying to please everybody but him. He knows that 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 place is a dark and horrible place. So he makes ways in this book to tell us how to get over that, that prison that we will live in trying to please people and be thought well of by people. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 16 through 18. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. I want to tell you something. Hypocrites fast. Don't think just because somebody's fasting, they're extra spiritual. Because if you know they're fasting, <laughs> they're probably a hypocrite. <laughs> so, For they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have, you, they have received their reward in full. Nothing else. But when you fast, and he says when, not if, Jesus always thought his people were going to fast because he has given us again something small to do for something great. He says, when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, meaning blow dry your hair and put your makeup on if you're female. Please don't if you're a male. So that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but listen to this, but only to your father. Same words that Jordan preached about prayer last week, the exact same words. It's only to your Father who is unseen. This takes a lot of faith. He is unseen. And your Father who sees what you do in secret will reward you. When God tells you something to do and you do it, guess what that's called? Faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. God's ways will make us real. Our ways will make us hypocrites. We get Holy Spirit power and we get the whole no we get the holy spirit when we're saved i'm sorry but power comes through suffering this is again the working out what god's put in make no mistake fasting is suffering it hurts a little bit when your belly growls it hurts a little bit when everybody's having their hamburger and you're sitting there smelling it and your mouth starts watering and all that good stuff it's hard it's hard to go without food but it's making your body obey the spirit being loosed from what holds us back, and it is a war. Is it worth it? Listen to what it says in 1 Peter 2, 11. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. There is a war going on in me, and it is up to me whether I win that war. Jesus has defeated everything that needs to be defeated, but I have to use the weapons he gave me while I'm down here. We won't have to do it, guys. We're going to get to go to heaven. When we die, it's over. We're in heaven. There's nothing else ever going to come against us. There'll be no night. There'll be no fight and no nothing. We have a little bit of time while we're down on this earth. Jesus hung on a cross naked, nails through his arms and legs and a crown of thorns on his head, despising the shame, paid a price for us that we can never even fathom. He doesn't ask us to do that. He says, will you just give up a meal or two and let me show you who I am? Do you think we can do that for God? Jesus fasted. Listen to this. In Luke 3, the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus when he's going to be baptized. And then immediately the Holy Spirit sends him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He eats nothing for 40 days. And I just want y'all to know, some people think I'm real sweet and they love me to death. If I would have had to fast for you for 40 days, you would all be in hell today. <laughs> I would have made it about two 
Maybe, if I didn't smell some chicken. <laughs> but I'm just, I am, and I am not kidding. 40 days without food? Mm-mm. I would not do it. Yet Jesus was out there for 40 days. And I have an opinion on this about why he fasted. And I have an opinion on this based on scripture. Jordan touched on it last week. First Peter 4, I want you to listen to this. First Peter 4, 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body... Arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. Jesus went into that desert to fast and be tempted, and he was full of the Holy Spirit, but he came out of that desert in the power of the Holy Spirit. Fasting and prayer put his own human flesh in its proper place, a slave to the will of God and not a slave to his human appetite. If he needed this, how much more do we? Jesus was tempted in every way like us. He was fully human, subject to what we are, and the Spirit in him has gone through every single thing, and he knows how to fight any and all temptation in us. God had never been a man before Jesus came. The eternal God subjected himself to time, to human limitations, and to be tempted by real sin. People think Jesus wasn't really tempted. Jesus was tempted. It says in every way that we are, he was tempted. God sent him into that desert to push human nature to the absolute breaking point, far above anything that you and I will ever be tempted by. And the spirit inside of that body that God prepared for him overcame every single sin. I mean, not every single temptation, not sin. Every single temptation. His flesh was totally subjected to the will of God. And guess who lives inside of us now? That same spirit that worked through Jesus Christ, that's been through everything we could ever think of going through down here, is the Spirit that lives inside of you and me. If I'm not living in victory and I'm not living as an overcomer, it is because I don't want to. It is not because that I am not equipped with every single thing that I should be equipped with. I don't want to be delivered by my t- from my temptations. I want you to hear that. I don't want to be delivered from my temptations. I like my temptations. The proof I don't want to be delivered is even when I give in to those temptations. Therefore, I will fast. I can't change who I am, but I can go to Scripture and God can tell me how I can do the natural thing. And then God will do the supernatural thing. I can't tame the beast within me. I can't make myself be like Jesus or think like Jesus, but I can go without food. A little something that I can do, and then God will do what is absolutely impossible for me. Listen to what he says he'll do when we fast. This is the fasting God wants. He says, the fasting I've chosen is to loose the chains of wickedness. Your own wickedness, the wickedness of your children, your family. There's a lot of wickedness in the world that affects each one of us. And he says, you go to fight for those people, and I'll start working in their lives. What? We sit and worry about our kids and everything, and God has given us something in our arsenal. You can go into a private place, fast and pray, and God says, I will go after your people. Whoa. Untie the cords of the yoke, set the oppressed free, and free, break every yoke. He who the sun sets free, guess what? Free indeed. Sharing our food, providing for the poor, 
clothe the naked and not turn away from our own flesh and blood. His fast is to set us, them, his fast was to set them free from their strongholds and the people around them and to set them free to love and serve others. God is always trying, always trying to do the greater thing in us, make us like him down deep inside. We're made in God's image and we are never satisfied until we are walking in his power and in his spirit and being like him. Our sin nature lies to us and says, no, you don't need to not deny yourself. You need all the food, all the glory, all the stuff, all the friends, all the affirmation. And God says, you deny yourself, pour yourselves out to others, change your focus from yourself to others. And I want you to listen. This is just in Isaiah 58. I'm not, this is no commentary. Listen to what God says he will do. Your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. You are going to be surrounded by the glory of God and his righteousness is going to be coming all off of you. And the Lord says, and then if you'll do this, when you call to me, when you cry for help, he's going to come over and say, right here I am like that. He's going to be right there with you all the time. Can you think of anything better than that? Mm -mm. He says, if you'll do away with the yoke of oppression and the pointing finger and malicious talk, he said, you quit making other people feel small. Quit pointing your finger and talking mean about other people. Aren't you glad that's our God? All of his commands are a reflection of who he is. Aren't you glad we serve such a nice, kind God that cares about other people and cares about you? He says, if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry, satisfy the needs of the oppressed, your light will rise in the darkness like the dawn. Have you ever been to the beach and you go out there early and it's dark and what starts to happen? The light starts to rise a little bit, right? He says, your light will rise like the dawn. It gets brighter and brighter and brighter. That goes right along with 2 Corinthians 3, that we will go from glory to glory with ever-increasing glory. He says it's not only going to rise in the darkness like the dawn. He says your gloom will become like the midday, like the noonday. 12 o'clock, you can still look at the sun when it rises up over the ocean. What about when it's 12 o'clock? Can anybody look straight at the sun? He says that's the kind of glory I want to put in you. You talk about you're depressed. He says you come to me. You fight with the weapons I give you. I will make your gloom into glory. I just don't think we believe this. I know I haven't. He says the Lord will guide you always, satisfy your needs, strengthen your frame, and you will be like a well-watered garden, water straight from heaven. Not only this, he will take complete care of you. His power and healing will come to your family. Listen to what it says in verse 12. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins. How many families in here like mine need their ancient ruins built up? I come from a very dysfunctional family. And some of them are still in dysfunction. And he says, Terry, if you will go to me in your secret place and you fast and you lay your life down for your family, I will go and I will rescue those people that are in addiction. I will rescue those people that are lost. You come to me, pay a little tiny price and I will blow your mind. He says, you will raise up. Oh, age-old foundations. And you, you will be called a restorer, a repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. You will become the person in your family that restores a family that is broken. God says, if you'll make it a true fast that's all about others, I will make it all about you. Did you hear how many times you was said in that? He says, if you'll just give up yourself and come to me, it's what Jesus said. If you give up your life for my sake... 
You'll find it. I'll give it back to you. Just come give me everything and I will be all over you. You don't have to worry. People wonder sometimes, like, you can say whatever to me. I'm like, I don't care. Do whatever you want. I got no fight in this world. I got one fight. Guess what it is? To stay at the feet of Jesus. That's it. I'm just right there. Every time God looks down, I'm like, he's like, I was like it's me. <laughs> I'm right here. <laughs> and I'm not leaving. It's the only fight I got. I'm not going to fight for my rights. I don't care about my rights. I've got El Shaddai fighting for me? Are you serious? What kind of peace is that? What kind of rest is that? He says, your light will rise, your gloom like, like the noonday. He will guide you, satisfy you, strengthen you. You will be that well-watered garden. You will have waters that never fail. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and doing as you please and looking at that day as a delight, that you take that day, you come off with me and let me fuel you. He says, you then will find your joy in the Lord. We find joy in so many things. He says, you got to take some time and spend it with me before I'm going to be your joy and delight. And I know that when I'm your joy, you will have real joy always. He says, I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land. <laughs> Apache. Anybody know that song? Makes me think of it. I can't help it. Um, and you will feast on the inheritance of your father, Jacob. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And I'm not going to go into what feasting on the inheritance of your father Jacob is, but it's huge. And what God's saying is that if we will take him up on this fasting thing, his way, we will feast on his full inheritance. I always say I want to live up to the life that Jesus died to give me. He died a death that was unthinkable. It was excruciating. Some people don't know that that word excruciating is X out of crucis, the cross. There had to be a word that described what the cross was, and that's where we have the word excruciating. He went through a death like that so that he could give me and you a life that comes straight from the throne of heaven. He wants me and you to be so taken up with him that people can come into our presence and feel the very presence of the living God pouring out of us. Jesus said, come to me if you're thirsty in John 7. He said, and I will give you living, living rivers of living water that will flow up out of your belly. Meaning he uses words that we can understand. River. How does a little human house a river? We can't. He says, you will be so full of me that I will be gushing through you. And people will get to have the overflow of me coming out of you. What kind of God is this? He promised it to just come to me. This takes a great act of faith. Go to your secret place. Fast before God alone. Leave that place full of power and pour out your life for others. There will be a great rising up. Your light will rise. Your righteousness will rise. Your ancient and devastated family ruins will rise. Your joy will rise and your healing will rise. And the greatest rising of all will be that your father will rise up when you cry. And he will say, here I am. Do you know how much he wants to be close to us like that? Think about your own children, how you want to be right there the moment they cry for you. Where do you think you got that from? That comes from your father. He is not trying to keep us at arm's length. There's just certain ways we got to be before God can do what he wants to do in our lives. And he's telling us how to do it. Something amazing happens when you find out in reality that certain scripture is true. To be honest, I didn't want God getting all up in my food business. 
for many years I've been thinking, you know, I ought to let God get up in my food business, <laughs> but I'm trying to eat that cheeseburger and um, a lot of them uh, milkshakes. And I, I mean, and I'm being dead serious. I said, I've oftentimes been looking at you with concern in my eyes, thinking about a cookout milkshake <laughs> because it's just an issue. And I believe God let that be an issue so that he could set me free with this and then share it with you so that you'll know what I'm talking about is doable and exciting and wonderful and that you too can be excited about fasting. Last year, we went on a retreat with the women and I got to see a great rising up. Or last year we went, but this last month we went and I got to see a great rising up of God and be part of something that I will never, ever get over. How many of you women were there? Will you ever get over it? It was something we can't put into words what happened. I can only tell you as best I can. But there was a great rising up. And um, as a matter of fact, I think as a church, we're part of a great rising up of God. And I'm going to tell you why I believe that. First of all, you can just tell when you're here. But second of all, last year when I was there, we had a great time at the retreat. God did some amazing things. There was a lot of confession, a lot of people getting real with God, and it was awesome. And on that last night, the last day of the retreat, I got up to do my quiet time, and I went out on the porch, and I was looking at all the, the nature around me. I was looking at, uh, I was listening to the creek. There was foliage everywhere. There were flowers. It was just, it's a beautiful place. And I was looking at all that, and I said, God, is it too much to ask? Is it too much to think that maybe you want to use our church to touch the world? That you want to do something so great at Denver, North Carolina at Pursuit Church? Am I wrong in thinking that you want to use us to bless the world where people are going to hear about what you're doing there and they're going to come here to see what God's doing and take that fire back to their churches? Are you really going to do that? Are you going to use us on that level? And you know, I just think Moses asked God, show me your glory. Guess what God said? I will. So why can't we ask him big things? I just, I don't want to have low living. I want to have high living. I want people to see God exalted and high. I want to see him, people see him answer me. And I want to beckon them like Jordan does up. Come up to this high place with me. And I asked him that. And I opened my Bible to read and listen to what I read. Jeremiah 32, 17. Ah, Lord God, it is you who made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. I was like, all right. <laughs> well, now. And then I went on to read because I remember I asked him, can you bring people here? Are you going to use us and exalt your great name in this place in such a way that people are going to come from other nations to see what you're doing at this church? Listen to this. Jeremiah 33, 8 and 9. I will cleanse them from all their guilt of their sin against me because do not think God will not deal with our sin before he's going to come and visit us. He's going to deal with it corporately and individually. It's just, it's a fact of God. A holy God doesn't show up and you don't know who you are and what you've done against him. It is just going to happen. It said, and I will forgive all their guilt of their sin and rebellion against me. God doesn't tell us what we've done wrong to condemn us. He does it so he can forgive us. Listen to what he said next. And this city shall be to me a name of joy, a praise and a glory before all the nations of the earth who shall hear of all the good that I do for them 
they shall fear and tremble because of all the good and all the prosperity that I provide for it. I'm telling you, it gives me chills. I cannot believe that God does these things, but this is how God operates. God, let, we don't cause a move of God. Don't everybody, anybody think here that somebody's so great that God said, I'm going to move there because you're so great. God decides when he's going to move. He lets us know. And then all we can do is get ready and get prepared for that move with breathless anticipation that the God of heaven is coming. He's coming. I went to that retreat this past year and we were getting ready to we were getting ready for it and we decided to name it Rooted. It was based on Isaiah 61, 1 through 4. We will be mighty oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. And Jesse came up with the name Rooted and we just loved it. So that was what we called it, Rooted. You made a little uh, thing for us to put on our desks and cars and all that. And we were all excited about this. And I get a text from a friend who I've known for eight years. She lives in Arizona. She had been to Israel. And she sent me a text and said, Terry, I know this is random. Are you going on a retreat with your pursuit ladies? And I said, well, yeah, as a matter of fact, we are. She said, I had a dream while I was in Israel. And in that dream, I saw your church at a retreat. And I woke up and I heard go. And I said, well, then I think you need to come on. <laughs> and she got, she booked her a plane ticket and we made a place for her to speak. And she came and she spoke. And I asked her about the dream. I said, what was the dream? And she said, well, in the dream, I was walking along a path that was very blurry, but I could see roots of plants and trees and I could see them much deeper in the ground than you should normally see them. And she went on to tell me everything about Valley Crucis, where we go, about the tables, about the mountains. She didn't know where we were going and she didn't know we were having a retreat. And we're like, okay, God is getting ready to come do something. He's getting ready. He's shown us he's coming. And now he's getting us ready. So we as a women's team got together and a hundred of us or more, we fasted and we prayed. We fasted two 24-hour periods. And that first fast, I wrote this prayer. I went back on our Facebook page and I looked and this is the prayer that I wrote. My prayer with you and over you. Lord, praise you for who you are and what you've revealed to, that you have revealed yourself to your people through your spirit, nature, your word, and your son. <clears throat> we look forward with expectant hearts that you will do the greatest thing you can do. Let each of us know you intimately on a whole new level, both individually and corporately. We pray that your glory will be manifest in our midst and that we would never be the same. When God Almighty truly comes, you will never be the same. Never. Take us from glory to glory with ever increasing glory. Your word says you will and by faith we are asking you to do it. Thank you that we can come boldly into your presence and ask for big things. I believe you love it when we do. Do it, Lord. <clears throat> we love you and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> I'm going to tell you something. God did exactly that prayer, did he not? <clears throat> we had speakers that came, and I'm going to tell you something. The speakers that were at our retreat, we don't have to bust no speakers in. We've got mighty women of God in this church who know the Lord, who fast, who pray and seek Him with their whole hearts. <clears throat> Those women were up there giving testimony about their lives, what God's doing, how they're getting deeply rooted through suffering and through seeking after God. And we had a lot of women there who were seeing the glory on the faces of these women and hearing their testimony, and it was heavy. The spirit of heaviness was in that room because there was a gap for them, like Jordan talks about a power gap. I'm down here, 
and these women are up here. How do I get from here to here? It seems impossible. Women even told us we were going to leave because we just couldn't take it anymore. And then on Sunday morning, and that night, on Saturday night, I didn't know what to do. I've got no power to help anybody. All I can do is say, I'm sorry. I know I feel it too, but we're just going to depend on God. The next morning we came up, Miss Melissa Moore got up and she spoke. And her, her uh, speaking was called Trading the Spirit of Heaviness for a Garment of Praise. Isn't that right? And she got up and she spoke. And she spoke with power. She spoke about demonic stuff. She spoke about soul ties that we have with people we've slept with. She talked about bitterness and anger. All these things that hold us back in our lives. She talked about generational sin. How when we don't let God deal with our sin and get that out of us that we give it to our children and our children's children. And she said, ladies, this is serious stuff. And it got heavier in there. And she had talked to me a couple of weeks before and said, Terry, when we're there, is there a place we can burn stuff? And I said, yeah, there's a fire pit. And she said, we need to write some things down and I want to go burn it. And I said, okay, we'll do that. Well, she got to the end of her talk and she didn't tell us we were going to write anything down. She just told us about her doing it. She wrote everything down because God told her to. And then God said, go burn it. You are set free from that. And she did. She said, I went out there and opened up my grill and I burned it. Even I didn't care what the neighbors thought or anything else. <clears throat> and then she went to end her talk. Nobody, she didn't say anything about burning it. Uh, Stacy Hansel comes running up to the stage and she's got a piece of paper. And she said, ladies, get your papers. We're writing our list and we're going to go out there and we're going to burn it in that fire pit. And I'm like, well, I think God just walked in. And I, I got up and went up on the stage and I was like, did you tell her that you were going to do that? And she said, no, I did not. God just checked me because I didn't do it, which was God's plan anyway. And at that moment, I knew that God just filled that power gap. He gave us something small that we could do to get to the throne of God. He gave us something a human can do, which is nothing, a piece of paper, a pen, and you write your stuff down. You write it down. You bring it up to the altar, and then I will take that garment, that spirit of heaviness, and I will give you a garment of praise. I will get, take your ashes, and I'll give you a crown of beauty. I got up there, and I was hollering. I was like, ladies, you don't need to stay in your seat. If you do, it is on you. God has given you something you can physically do to come to a spiritual place, just like Moses raised a rod and a sea parted, like Joshua walked around walls and the walls fell down. Moses struck a rock and water gushed out. God never asked his people to do supernatural things. He only asked us to do the natural things ever. I can't do anything supernatural and neither can you, but we can obey our God. When they, we did that, we took those papers. Everybody in that room started coming out. My daughter-in-law said, I could not lift my arms because the glory of God was so heavy in that room. And my little baby grandson got to be in the glory of God what some people never have their whole lives. For a little thing, we fasted. We wrote something down and God came and visited us in power. We took those papers. And we took them out and we burned them at that fire pit. I've got a picture. Look at your women right there, guys. We were burning those papers in that fire pit. And God gave us a crown of beauty instead of ashes. I have had people message me over and over again. People are going back and apologizing to ex-husbands from 12 years ago. It's amazing. People, somebody walked into the Bible study and said, all I care about is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I don't care about anything else in this world. We are forever changed.
because the glory of God came down on us. And I believe it is just a beginning of what he's going to do in this place. Why are we reluctant to fast? Our hunger for God must outweigh our hunger for food. When you fast and when I fast, this flesh I live in submits to the Spirit of God and He can put His wisdom and His power in a ball of dust. It is a miracle. He puts a treasure in a jar of clay. Either my body will discipline me or I will discipline my body. And I only have to do it for a little while while I'm on this planet. Will you in this room, will you go on this adventure with me? Will you be a part of the move of God? And not just a spectator. Go with me. Psalm 63 says, Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land. This is not heaven yet, guys. This is a parched. And it's a weary land where there is no water. But I have seen you in your sanctuary. And I have gazed upon your power and your glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I will praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands in holy prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. Let's pray.